Welcome to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, presented by Easton's new Ultra Micro Diameter Injection Arrows. Injection utilizes the new Deep Six standard for more big game penetration than ever before. Learn more about the injection today at www.eastonarchery.com. Now here's your host of Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, Editor Christian Byrne. All right, welcome back to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio. We are the voice of bowhunting, and today I am really glad you've joined us. Uh, we've got an awesome show. I've got a guest, uh, one of the very uh, top female bow hunters in our ranks, none other than uh, Miss Melissa Bachman, the host of Winchester's Deadly Passion, which is making its debut this summer on the Sportsman Channel. Melissa, thanks for being with us today. Well, thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, congratulations on uh, the move to Sportsman Channel. I uh, welcome you into the intermediate fold here, part of the family, and uh, I'm excited to check out Winchester's Deadly Passion. Well, thank you. I've been uh, working very hard getting everything produced, and I'm really excited for everyone to check it out this season. Um, it should be an awesome season. We've got tons of great bow hunts and just overall a lot of great hunts. Well, yeah, I mean, let's talk a little bit about that bow hunting. Obviously, you know, we were talking real briefly uh, before the show. Winchester, of course, uh, ammunition, firearms, and this is a bow hunting show. Uh, you said it right off. Uh, Winchester's deadly passion, uh, lots of awesome hunts, but bow hunting is a big part of what you do on the program. Absolutely. I mean, I absolutely love bow hunting. I've been in bow hunting since I was a little kid. I think at four or five years old, I picked up my first bow. And if it wasn't for uh, doing actual work and other things, I'm not sure I would ever set it down. So it's something I've really enjoyed. And this season was a great, great season for bow hunting. In fact, I went out to South Dakota and was hunting on the East River. And we ended up hunting out there for a little over two weeks. But we had hit it just right. We were in the rut. I had a decoy out. And we ended up decoying in over 35 bucks. And this is all within 10 to 15 yards. So just was an awesome, it'll probably be one of my best shows I've ever done. And it was probably one of the best feelings of accomplishment as well, since it was a self-guided hunt. I was out there moving things, changing things, and just having it all work out and took a really nice, big, mature buck. Really, really made it an awesome experience. That's cool, man. I'm jealous of that because I haven't had... um to be honest with you, a ton of decoying success or experience uh, in my day. So to be able to do that for two weeks and have, you know, 30-some bucks come in, uh, that's incredible. And I, I take it you were being very patient because you, you wanted a, a particular buck or something like that? Well, where I was hunting, they have a very strict management policy. They don't want anything less than a four-and-a-half-year-old buck taken. And in all honesty, I was having so much fun. I didn't want to go anywhere else at the time. When you can have that many deer, I mean, that's 35 bucks. We had hundreds of deer inside of our decoys, and we had put up a ground blind. And usually I've had really tough time bow hunting out of a ground blind that you just put up. But we really went over and above, brushed it in, and got that decoy out, plus a mixture of rattling, grunting, snort weeds. It was just amazing to see the bucks reacting to it. We had hit it the perfect timing. Things were just working out, so the patience, that was easy. I was having too much fun. <laughs> so when were you out there? Were you there uh, in November? or In November, yes. Gotcha, gotcha. Mm-hmm. So we know you've got a you've got an awesome South Dakota whitetail hunt coming up on the show. Uh, tell me about a few of the other bow hunts that you'll have uh, this season on the show. 
we also went to Nebraska, and I decoyed a buck in there as well. We, I was really having a lot of luck decoying this year, and it was one of the things in places that I was going and just getting set up basically when I got there. I was using those decoys in our archery setups to really draw the deer's attention off our blind or off anything new in the area, and it was really, really paying off. We had brought this buck in, and actually on my very first shot, I hit the blind. And so my arrow went spinning over him, and he had no idea what even happened and came decoying back into our decoy, made a follow-up shot, and got him. So it's one of those things where you go from one minute being happy to heartbroken back to happy. So pretty exciting. It's always nice, whether you're doing a TV show or writing a magazine article, um, when you have the screw-ups like that, um, <laughs> yes. when it turns out... Uh, anyway you know and you're still successful then it's kind of fun telling on yourself or showing your blunders it's not as fun when you know they don't come back and then you just look uh <laughs> kind of embarrassing yes that is true unfortunately i always tell everyone you know what if you're gonna go ahead and tell me you've never missed or had hit a blind or had something happening well you probably just haven't shot enough all of us do it and i like you know you can look at it learn from it and it happens to everybody, so by pretending it wouldn't happen to you would be ridiculous, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We never take, I mean, that's one thing I try to do, um, is don't take yourself too seriously, because I screw up just as much or more <laughs> than, you know, the average bow hunter who's out there. So we're just fortunate that we have some opportunities to spend more time in the field or, you know, get to places where, you know, not everyone gets to go. But um, like you said, experience is a great teacher. Tell me a little bit about your decoying setup. That just kind of, I wasn't really planning to go there, but as you're talking about it, I'm like, wow, this girl really is yeah, it was doing one of something. That, yeah, I've used it in the past. In fact, last season was basically one of my first experiences decoying. I was out in Iowa after waiting four years to draw an archery tag. And I put it out and had just incredible luck. Now, this was all sitting up in tree stands. But the reason I started using it is on that hunt, I originally had to film myself for a while. Well, the issue is when bucks are running, trying to get them to stop exactly where you need, film it and take them with a bow. Pretty tough. So I put my decoy out basically to hold them in one specific area and then be able to make my shot. Well, it worked so well that I thought, Okay, last year I got a beautiful buck over the decoy. This year I'm going to use it a little bit more. And like I said, I really used it in situations where we were on the ground. That way, all the deer's focus was right on that decoy. We'd position them accordingly, and it just makes a lot more realism when you're using rattling. When you're using grunting, you've hit it just perfect anyway. You might as well put that decoy out, give them one more thing to zone in on, and it totally takes their attention off of it. The other thing I was using the um, Dave Smith decoy this year, mm-hmm. and that's what I used last year as well. It is amazing. I mean, the the looks, the realism of it, it is one of the coolest looking decoys I've ever seen, and I really think that attributed to a lot of the success as well. So how do you set that decoy? And uh, So tell me a little bit how you like to position it and the timing for when you like to use it. So basically, you see that buck, and he sees that decoy, and he will come in for that fight. You're using the rattling. You're using all that to your advantage, and that really makes a big difference. You can pull some of those really big bucks that may just simply run on by you. Otherwise, it'll bring them to your area, and especially when you're hunting states 
like South Dakota or Nebraska, where they don't necessarily have easy funnels. There's not specific places that I can bank on these deer are going to come through. I know they're going to field, but I don't know how they're getting to it or where they're going to go after it. You can use that decoy to bring them in right to your location, bring them into archery distance, and the positioning of it is extremely important as well because you want to make sure that when they come in, they're going to be close enough and you're going to have a broadside shot. Yeah, that's great. Um, every time I talk to people who kill deer over decoys, I just remind myself, I'm like, man, you really have to do that. And then so many times when I get out in the field and, you know, it's like like in that rut and I'm like, oh, man, I, you know, like I hunt more <laughs> in the Midwest where there are those funnels and pinch points and stuff. And I'm like, mm-hmm. ah, I don't want to mess with it. I know this spot is like really good. And if I just put my time and, you know, I, I, I do pretty well with that too but yeah i mean Mm -hmm. just the interaction you know it's exciting oh absolutely it gives you quite an adrenaline rush to see one come in this year i had a deer snort wheeze at my decoy i've had them you know scraping i've had them doing all sorts of things and just to see that the other thing that makes it fun is even the bucks you're not going to shoot you wouldn't believe some of the little small bucks that come and posture to your decoy and fight it and i've had my decoys knocked over it makes it really, really exciting hunting. So I know you've obviously you've done a, you've got a bunch of whitetail hunts uh, here for the uh, for the season. Tell me about some of the other adventures that are part of uh, this season of uh, Winchester's Deadly Passion. Well, we've got a bear hunt that'll be up as well. Um, basically, going up to Alaska and calling black bearing. Um, that's one of my favorite things in the world to do. And uh, I went up there with just a kayak, a tent. I've done it numerous occasions. And I go up there and predator call these bear in. And when you're doing that, again, it's on your own, you're by yourself, and you're looking for these bear. I try to get in about 150 yards from them and then hit that predator call. That way I can watch their, basically you're watching their reaction, their body language, and you can bring them right in. And the more aggressive you can call, the better I've found it works on bear. So um, I call the bear in really, really nice and close, up to 18 yards. And actually made a throat shot on it because a lot of those big boards will not back down at that point. So that's something that you really need to be prepared for and know your shot placement and have it nice and close so you can make the perfect shot. But really works well when it happens, and it is pretty exciting. Gotcha. Um, so you got some bear, you got some deer. Um, anything else that you really want to highlight before I ask you about some other aspects of the show? Um, well, we can talk. I did a couple of elk hunts as well um, that worked out pretty well. And elk is something that I really, really enjoy because just like the bear, just like the deer with the decoy, it's the interaction. And, and that's one of the most exciting things for me out hunting. And this year I got to hunt with some good friends from college. So that kind of added to all the fun and, and really made it an exciting hunt. Cool. Um, tell me a little bit about the obviously the hunts are are the highlight of the show tell me a little bit about the show itself what's the you know different shows kind of have you know other elements that are the building blocks of the show winchester's deadly passion is the show is it about more about adventure is it about you um destinations what what are some other aspects of the that we'll see you know watching your program well, this year, one of the things you'll also see, I've always been really adamant about trying to get more people involved. 
and bringing up people and just showing them, you know, how much fun it can be. And that's a big part of this whole season is just the interaction between myself and the guys and the people I'm with. And someone asked me a while ago, they said, what's your absolute favorite hunt? What's your favorite species to go after? And I said, you know, it's becoming less and less about the species I'm going after and more about the people I'm with because that's what I found really can make the difference on a hunt. I mean, of course, you can have great hunting and it can be an excellent trip, but by having people that you really relate with, have fun with, that's something that's even more important. And this year I went to Montana, for example, and I brought my mom along for her very first antelope hunt. Now, growing up, she was a bow hunter. My dad was a bow hunter. They both took us all over the place. So this year, I decided I'm going to bring her along. Um, I got her a new Matthews Jewel for Mother's Day. Um, so she practiced all year with it. And then we got to go out to Montana in a blind together. I filmed her for the entire time. And, and she took a really nice antelope, made a great archery shot at 30 yards. And it was really, really rewarding to see and fun and just to show people, you know, it can be an entire family event and, and to try to get more people involved. Yeah, absolutely. You know, talking about, um, you know, your your mom and your dad mentioning that they were both hunters, um, you know, is that where you got your, you know, obviously developed an interest in, in shooting and archery and things like that as an early age. Did, is that something you did, you know, all through growing up? And did you ever find that, you know, there was a time maybe that you weren't sure if, you know, the outdoors was something, you know, that you were really going to be into? Or was that something that you were focused on through your whole life? Well, I don't think there was ever a time that there was, <laughs> that I didn't think the outdoors was what I was going to be into since I was a little kid. Um, that's just part of how we were raised. I mean, I was given a bow at four or five years old. I shot it all the time. My parents were my role models. They were out hunting. They were doing all these things, and they were bringing us with us with them. And that was one of the most important things is if they weren't just leaving us home, they were bringing us along and they were making it fun. They would bring us little lunches. We'd go out duck hunting in Minnesota. You'd have to be 12 years old to hunt. Well, we weren't old enough yet. So they'd just make us our own little blind. We'd play around. We'd bring our bows along. So it was all that just kind of added together that really made it something that was a part of who I was. And as I grew older, it's something that I kept doing all through high school. My parents signed a work permit so I could bow hunt every morning before school and I didn't have to be until 10 o'clock my senior year. That way I could bow hunt every day in the fall. And that kind of shows you that, you know, just that deep passion for it that I didn't want to give that up all through college. I went to school, got a double major in TV broadcasting in Spanish and decided, okay, how can I help somehow figure out a way to hunt for a living? And that's when I became an intern and just started doing the production aspect of it. But my goal was always to find some way to make a living in the outdoors. I wasn't sure how I was going to do it, but that was my goal. I'm still hung up on how a work permit allowed you to hunt every morning when you were in well, high school. Well, you see, in, in our family, that's how we had to get food, you know. <laughs> they were relying on me. <laughs> no, it ended up being a deal. Where as long as I kept straight A's, I had enough credit to, to do um, college early. I didn't want to go to college early. I loved high school, and... So that was part of the deal. I didn't have to be there till 10 a.m. I had all my classes taken care of. And, yes, it was considered a work permit because I was providing food for my family. <laughs> Man, that's pretty good. i got to move to Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, it may not be like that anymore probably because of me. But <laughs> and, and you said we. Um, you have a bunch of siblings? 
I do have a younger brother. Um, just one younger brother, and him and I hunt still to this day. Um, he's now a web developer, and so he does a lot of things for my website and things to help me out. So I try to bring him on as many hunts as possible, too. Gotcha. And, um, you know, one big thing, obviously, um, you know, we really want to touch on on the show today is the just the rise of uh, the woman hunt the woman hunter you know <laughs> i mean it kind of seemed like particularly in the media of course you know women have been hunting for ever but in terms of just how prominent it's getting you know in television and uh it seemed like it started as like the husband and wife thing right like that was kind of mm-hmm. the first wave and now we're seeing so many more people like yourself who are you know just headlining their own shows and really making a name for themselves you know all on their own talk to me a little bit about that and the opportunities that you've had and you know maybe you know the fact that they wouldn't have been there you know 10 20 years ago Mm-hmm. And I think I think the media really has helped. Um, for me, I was lucky enough to have a mom who hunted, so um, I guess I wasn't looking to the media quite as much. But now with YouTube, with television, with all this, I can't tell you how many shows I've gone to where little girls or even little boys have come up and said, I started hunting because we watched your YouTube video or we saw you on TV on Sunday and now my little daughter wants to hunt just like you. So I think a lot of it is just showing these young girls, these these women, that it is completely acceptable. They can excel at it, and they can be just as good, if not better, than some of the guys out there, and also opening up some of the guys' eyes, too. You know, sometimes it can be difficult. Oh, the you know, your wife or girlfriend gets mad you're hunting again. Well, if you, if you bring them and you get everyone involved, the entire family can really benefit from it. I mean, I saw it firsthand. We would hunt together on Saturdays. We'd cook a, an excellent wild game dinner on Sunday, and it was something we did together as a family. And I think as we get further and further along, that's something that becomes more important, and you really can see that overall getting more women involved is one of the best things you could possibly do for the sport because, of course, if both the husband and wife are involved, guess what? Their kids are probably going to be involved as well. So. I think that's one of the most important things and just putting role models out there for people. That way other women have someone to look up to, maybe even to get tips from, to watch things, to learn from, and that way they can really become their own person, their own hunter, and and excel in the outdoors as well. Do you think there's anything, you know, in particular about the way that uh, you know, women approach a hunt as opposed to men. You obviously, you got a brother, dad. I know. I'm sure there's lots of guys in all the camp. Is that something that's ever struck you, or do you think it's pretty much uh, the same mindset for both sexes? Uh, I think it really depends, kind of, on the person and how far along they are. Um, it's always interesting for me to find out what are you know some women's dream hunts, for example. A lot of times, it's less about the species; it's more about the adventure. Or, again, it's more about who they're, who they're able to do that with. And I think that's something that, you know, each person's going to basically find out for themselves. And, and as they advance through their own, you know, hunts and, and outdoor, basically, life, then they can decide what, what is best. But I think it's a really important aspect of just the family or the friends or just getting a lot of people involved in it. That really helps for a lot of women. And, of course, you know, the more fun the hunting or the the, the bigger the adventure, the more fun it is as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, so what's Melissa Bachman's dream hunt? 
my dream hunt is to go to Australia, and I would like to go hunting there, but the most important part for me, I've always wanted to go down and swim with the great white sharks. So hunting in Australia, that's just kind of a bonus, but going and swimming with the great white sharks, I think that would just be absolutely amazing. It's something I look forward to, and hopefully I'll be able to do someday soon. Swim with the great white sharks. Yes, that is exactly what I want to do. <laughs> just, just you and your your swim trunks, and 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 nothing else. Well, uh, they do offer cage dives, so I think we would start with that. We'll just check it out, see how it is. But if I do that, I'd like them to chum the water all over, and I'd love to have the sharks rattling the cage and going crazy. I think that would be awesome. All right, I'll watch that on TV then when you do that. <laughs> I will do my best to film it. I can't guarantee anyone's going to come down with me, but I will take a little camera. <laughs> yeah, uh, like you pay for that too, man. I don't know. I'm, I'm not signing up for that one. So what do you want to hunt down there? Um, they have uh, buffalo. They have hogs. Um, there's kind of a variety to go to, and I think that would be a really cool destination just for the tourism aspect of it and all the things that you can do, you know, not only the hunting, um, and you can get some beautiful buffalo, beautiful hogs there, um, but all the other things that Australia has to offer as well. You know, if you spend all that time to get over there for a hunt, one of the things I like to remind people is take a couple extra days and do some fun things there as well. Um, you know, you took that long plane ride, you might as well make it worth it. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about bow hunting gear. You know, you had mentioned mm -hmm. uh, you got a Matthews Jewel for your mom. Mm -hmm. um, tell me about what bow you shoot and um, you know, what you'll be using this coming season. Um, I have a Matthews Jewel that I've been using. I absolutely love it. Um, I have mine set at 64 pounds. Um, I'm shooting the Easton Injection Arrows um, that I've been just having incredible luck with penetration with that weight, with the Rage Hypodermic. It's just been a really, really good com combination. Last year I was in Wyoming, made I think it was a 54-yard shot, a perfect pass-through on a whitetail. Um, so for a girl, I mean for anyone, it doesn't matter. That's pretty impressive. That's when you know your gear is kind of all, all working out correctly for you. Um, so that's one of the things I look at. More than likely, that'll be the same setup I use this year as well. Yeah, that's a pretty awesome setup. I hear, hear you talk about that. I'm like, okay, well, she's pretty much drawing the same draw weight as me and shooting the same thing as me. And yeah, I like those. <laughs> those injection shafts are great, you know. Yes, um, they're really, really nice. And paired with those hypodermics is what I've been using. It's just, it's just a really, really nice setup. They fly great. Um, that's one of the most important things and the penetration you're giving them out of them is really incredible. Oh yeah. Yeah, I like those those hypodermic heads too. We just actually mm -hmm. we've got a mechanical broadhead test that we just wrapped up. We'll be publishing it in the September issue and um it was interesting to see we shot a whole bunch of different mechanical heads through the sheet through sheet metal and it the rage the, I mean, the way that those open up right on impact and some of the wounds, you know, the, the slice that you'll get, not just, you know, mm -hmm. on the exit, but on the entry is kind of crazy sometimes, especially when you get a little bit of an offset angle and you really zip stuff open with those things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've had incredible luck. I've been shooting rages uh, for years, probably eight years or so, and I've just had absolute incredible luck. And when you're up bear hunting or doing some of these hunts, you want to make sure you have 100% confidence in your gear and and by, you know, after shooting it for this many years, there's no question that it's definitely there. How uh, how much time do you spend, you know, practicing with your bow, uh, 
tweaking your equipment and, and that sort of thing? What's a typical, you know, routine for, for you each year? Well, one of the things that I do is basically spend my whole summer months getting all my equipment ready. I want to get it exactly how I want it, and I try to at least have one or maybe two bows set up in case I destroy something in the field. But everything is the same. I have an HHA site on both my bows. I have the exact same rest on both bows. I like it to be identical um, because for me it's just a, it's a comfort thing. Um, I like things the same, and I do not like to mess with them during the season if I can help it. The only reason I would is if I broke something or something happened, but I'm a firm believer in getting it set up just how I like in the summer then practicing nonstop with it after that and leaving it be. Um, I do not want to be someone who is switching things during the season um, because so much of it is just it comes back to just that same technique, same it, it's going through the motions of what you've done thousands of times before that, and I think that's something that really helps me be more successful as a bow hunter, finding something, sticking with it, and then keeping that through the season. Oh, yeah, and having that comfort level so that, you know, when when the moment of truth arrives, the only thing you're worried about is making the shot. You're not having any kind of nagging doubts about your gear at that point. Nope, not at all. Um, so what's in the future for Melissa Bachman? Where do you see uh, your career going, and do you have other goals and things that you'd like to do in the hunting world? Well, right now, um, I've been very happy with everything. I'm in season three of Winchester Deadly Passion. I've been the producer and editor and host of this the entire time. So from day one, I've built the show from start to finish all the way up to right now. I'm editing shows in my studio and kicking them out to the network. So that is something that um, I really enjoy, and not necessarily a lot of people know that, that there are not other people behind the scenes creating, editing it. I just get to look it over. Nope. I get to create it from start to finish. So that's a huge task, especially when you're doing a lot of hunts. In this upcoming season for season four, I'm actually switching to 26 original. So I'll be on 52 weeks a year, which will be really nice. People can always tune in. But it's definitely going to be a lot more work, too. So a lot more in the field and a lot more production time. So at some point, I'm going to have to figure out uh, how to break that up a little bit or... I will never be able to leave my home when I'm editing or never leave the road in the field. But um, I think either way in the fall, as long as I can hunt from August all the way through December, I'm a happy person. This year, I don't think I have a single day off in between there. That's the way I book it, and that's the way I like it. Nothing I would rather be doing. So you're going to be on the road hunting from probably like... August, like or- August 12th, I think I leave, and I come home December 23rd. And you're literally not going to be home a day nope. in between? No, nope. nope, not one day. I will not take a day off. Last year, I took one day off. Um, my mom was very upset I had not been home for Thanksgiving for several years, so I rolled in like at 9 that in the morning, drove all the way from Montana to make it, came home for the day, and then left again. Um, but this year, I'll be on the road all fall. Wow, that's that's incredible. And people... But that's been my dream my whole life, so now I'm happy. That's all I ever wanted to do is hunt nonstop, and, and now I get to do it. So, and so how many, it for the world. How many hunts do you think it, it takes you to do 26 shows? Well, that sort of depends on the year. Um, ideally, I'd love to be able to do it in, you know, 30, 35 hunts. It really just depends on how things go. I mean, sometimes I'll run into luck where you'll be in camp two days, three days, 
have great luck, move on, and get another animal. But sometimes you don't. Sometimes it may take 10 days. Sometimes you may not get anything, and you have to leave and move on. So it's kind of one of those things I always plan for the worst, look tons of hunts, and hope for the best. If I end up having extra, great. If not, then I'll do more things in the spring and start looking for other places, like Australia. You can go there in July. You know, things that are outside that main hunting season, that's a place that you can pick up some extra hunts. But really just making sure you're buckling down in the field. I mean, when I'm out there in the fall, I hunt dark to dark all season. Um, if I'm not out hunting, there's not an opportunity to be successful. So I don't spend a lot of time back at camp. Yeah, and that's another thing that people, you know, don't realize. And, and you know, to be honest with you, we don't want to make a big deal about it either. You know, I say we, I mean, yourself, other TV hosts, because it's not like you ever want anyone to feel sorry for you. Like you say, you're living a dream and you're enjoying it, but it is work out there and there's pressure. I mean, if you don't get those shows or don't get those kills, you know, you don't have shows and you'll never be able to come home until you get a certain number of things done, (laughs) right? Because you got to have the footage. Oh, absolutely, and I think just as general uh, for hunting, I mean, sometimes people think that because they've watched a show on television that got done in 30 minutes, that they can show up at a location, they can go to Illinois, they can go to Iowa, hunt for a morning, and all that will happen in a morning, and as much as I would love to tell people that's how it goes, that's just not how it is, and whether you're doing a television show, writing articles, or if you're just out hunting, I think one thing people need to remember is Time is what you have to put in. You know, you can be in the best locations in the world, but you have to be willing to put that dedication in. And if you do, eventually things will work out. You'll put the odds in your favor. But you can't go out, sit for two hours, be done, and then wonder why, you know, uh, 170 didn't walk by you that morning. It might happen, but uh, uh, more than likely that's not how it works out. What was the toughest or most miserable hunt that you ever had? Um, I did a hunt in Alaska. Um, that was probably the toughest hunt I've ever done. Is We got dropped off for 14 days, my cameraman and I, um, up on Prince of Wales Island. It rained when we got dropped off. All of our stuff got soaked. We got picked up 14 days later. Um, it had rained so much that our entire tent turned into a sinkhole and was up past your, basically past your knees just in mud when you walked in the tent. So we had been out there for 14 days eating freeze-dried food, hunting hard. Um, it was really, really tough hunting. All the bear had already started mating. It was a little bit late. Uh, so they weren't coming to predator calls. We did not end up with any bear. Um, but we put in our time, and it was absolutely miserable only because of the weather. I love Alaska. It's beautiful. It's one of my favorite places to go. But when you go to somewhere and it rains nonstop and you're wet starting, it it does make things very difficult and cold. <laughs> yeah, well, you've paid your dues, like you said. That's all part of it. And every, you know, every empty day brings you that much closer to your next success. That's what I always try to tell myself, you know. Every empty, mm-hmm. every, every, you know, fruitless day out there, I'm like, well, that's one's, you know, <laughs> down and, and now better things are ahead, so... Yeah. And it makes you enjoy them more when it all works out, I think, too. So. Oh, I think that's honestly, for bow hunting especially, mm-hmm. I mean, I think that that really is the, uh, you know, there's a good analogy in fishing, and I know that you, you like to fish, too. Mm-hmm. Um, 
You ever have those days, you know, where you fish and like the fishing is so good that you're catching a fish on pretty much every cast, you know, and mm -hmm. after a while you will actually put your rod down and stop fishing. You know, it's the, it's the law of intermittent rewards is what they call this. And it's basically, you know, people will get, you will literally get bored with success if it's, if it's immediate, instantaneous every time. It's when you, you know, when you're out there fishing and you're only catching like a fish every half an hour or so, now all of a sudden that like keeps you interested because you have that thrill of success and then you got to work for it again. And it's the same way in hunting, you know, in bow hunting, you, you know, if you add it up, count all the days that you're in the field all year it's probably what 200 a lot <laughs> like you might spend 200, 200 days a year in the field and you're only killing you know 30 animals or something like that so you're you're getting those intermittent rewards and that's what keeps you coming back for more absolutely and it comes becomes less and less about the size of the animal it's more about the time you put in how much hard work and to see it pay off i mean that's like that south dakota buck it's not my biggest buck i've ever taken but it's probably the hardest i've ever worked for something putting in so much time in the cold and just to see it pay off and know that your actions caused this to work out that is really a great feeling as a bow hunter yeah absolutely well folks that is melissa bachman i'm telling you uh check out her show uh, you're gonna enjoy it this girl i don't know her you know super super well i know her a little bit i've had the pleasure of spending some time with her you know at different industry events she really is the real deal she's a hard hunter harder than you know just about anybody else and uh super dedicated you know i've seen her i've seen her leave parties to go back to her room and work so Trust me, she really, really is everything that she's saying here. Uh, and I wish you the best of success uh, going forward, Melissa, because you are really working hard for it. So you deserve what you've had uh, to this point, And uh, I'm sure that we're going to continue to see good things coming, coming from you in the years ahead. Well, excellent. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And uh, I wish everyone good luck out there bowling this season. Hey, one last thing before I let you go. Where can people uh, interact with you in cyberspace and that sort of stuff if they want to know more about you or your show? You can check out my show on melissabachman.com or you can always check it out on the Sportsman's channel. It'll be running on Sunday um, starting July 6th at 2 p.m. And always check out their website for promos and any other things going on and uh, check me out there. All right. Thanks again, Melissa. Uh, best of luck to you this season, and uh, we'll, we'll uh, be watching to see what you're doing next. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yep. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, presented by Easton's new ultra-micro-diameter injection arrows. For more information, pick up a copy of Peterson's Bowhunting Magazine on newsstands now.